We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? It's KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs video from us here at KC Sports Network on BJ Kissel. And it's Tuesday, which means we are going to be joined by the Athletics' Nate Taylor for our five burning questions. I'm excited to talk to Nate after that one last night as the Chiefs beat the Raiders 30-29 to to move to 4-1 and on the season. They are the only undefeated team right now in the AFC West. And I really want to talk to Nate because I want to know what it was like in that locker room after the game. There's so much to discuss from that one, from the refs to the, the talking, some of the extracurricular curriculars going on uh, between the snaps uh, to, you know, Carl Cheffers to the historic night for Travis Kelsey uh, to the officiating to Devonte Adams, throwing a production guy to the ground who now, according to TMZ is pressing charges, went to the police after that. If you caught that video on social media uh, and then talk about, you know, the referees, there are a lot of storylines uh, to come from that game. And Nate's going to help us try and make sense of all of it. But before we bring on Nate, let's get a quick word from our presenting sponsor of KCSN update. And that is DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. And check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. And when you're looking about you, towards Next week in that Sunday game against the Buffalo Bills, the Chiefs are actually three-point underdogs at home going against the Bills again on Sunday afternoon with an over-under of 54 points. It's a far cry from what we would see from Vegas and from these lines after the performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Chiefs didn't play particularly well uh, last night against the Raiders, but we're going to get to all that with Nate here in a second. But uh, for DraftKings to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped up same game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. 
So let's welcome Nate Taylor onto the show. You can find him on Twitter at by Nate Taylor, and you can find his work on the athletic covering the chiefs. Nate, I've just to start, how was it covering that game as a beat writer, just in terms of pure chaos, because there were so <laughs> many different things that you can take away from that game. And we'll be peeling back that onion. It seems like for the next few days. Right. BJ. Um, it was the most overwhelming game we've seen so far this year. Uh, more chaotic than the Colts game, I believe, just because, um, you know, there were lead changes. There were uh, an even more egregious, as I sort of wrote in The Athletic from the Chiefs perspective, a, an egregious call. Like, I didn't know we were going to, in two weeks' time from Indianapolis, <laughs> have a have a more impactful uh, referee, you know, sort of judgment call. I... I couldn't believe that the team was in a situation that they had yet to be in BJ, which is like, Hey, we're they're down 17 points without Tyreek Hill. Uh, you know, they don't have necessarily maybe the quick strike ability that they used to have. So that was really interesting to watch. Um, the defense came together in a way that um, was interesting because of what happened in Indianapolis. Um, and look, I don't know how many people are talking about Matthew, Wright, And I couldn't no. include it in my story. But he holds the franchise record for the longest field goal in franchise history, 59 yards at the buzzer <laughs> at halftime. So, um, yeah, man, I, that's one of those games where you're like, I'm going to write about this. And then you're like, nope, I'm actually going to write about that. And you're like, nope. Um, and then you get into the locker room and everybody makes a, a, a beeline to Chris Jones. Yeah. Yeah, I – it's interesting because before you brought up Matthew Wright is hitting the longest field goals, I say, you know, it's surprising that in a one point game kicker can miss two field goals mm -hmm. and not be a top storyline coming out of like, holy cow, everything that happened in that game. So uh, obviously the Chris Jones thing is going to take, you know, center stage The I joked on our post game show last night that, you know, one small, very deep center, like, you know, the 58th <laughs> thing about this that you can draw attention to is the fact that Chris Jones for two egregious things that went against him held it together pretty well mm -hmm. for a guy that we've seen lose his cool. We just talked about, you know, I don't know if you consider the Colts penalty losing his cool, but you know, at this point, based on the way that the entire world was watching that game, the NFL knows they have a problem right. uh, at some level. It, it, I thought it was interesting the way that Andy Reid. I expected him to talk a little bit more about it than he did post game, but mm -hmm. he kind of gritted his teeth and just he gave the "it is what it is" kind of line, which yep. is I'm not going to talk about this. Um, <laughs> but how does the NFL move forward from here? What What is your expectations about how they take from the information that they know that the rule is flawed based on what happened last night? Uh, what do you expect to happen moving forward? Yeah, so you are right, BJ. The the rule is flawed, or the interpretation of the rule is flawed. Um, yeah. You know, Carl Sheffers, um, in his mind, made the right decision, and that was emblematic in the pool report with Adam. Excuse me, with Adam Teicher of ESPN. Um, you know, our most senior uh, reporter on the Chiefs beat. And so, the way it works out for for people who are interested. You know, one reporter gets to get on the phone with the referee and the NFL records that call and then it's transcribed. And, and obviously we as reporters disseminate it. Um, but basically, you know, Carl Jeffers said that based on his understanding of the rule, Chris Jones put his entire body weight on Derek Carr. Now, that happens on just about, what, 80 percent of plays when when a defender tackles. Yeah. 
a, a ball carrier. Um, you know, it was fascinating to me that even though you can strip sack a quarterback, you are still eligible to, in <laughs> essence, be called for roughing the passer. We all know what mm-hmm. happened Sunday with Tom Brady and and, uh, and Jared from the from the Falcons. We all understand what has happened in previous games. They want to protect the quarterback. They understand that the quarterback is the most marketable tool they have in games, whether it's prime time or just over the course of the season. So we all understand the quarterback is the most important position, but he's also the most marketable player on whichever team, the team, you know, we're we're all watching. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought it was fascinating that Chris Jones said, you know, maybe the, the, the call should be reviewable. To some point, I sort of pushed back on that because I'm like, we were all there when they tried to do that with offensive and defensive pass interference. That basically just allows somebody else to make a judgment call. Um, mm-hmm. So you've got to find a balance, in my opinion, BJ, where it's got to be so clear. It's got to be so with ill intent. Yeah. Uh, that is what should lead to roughing the passer. Because if you take just the actual rope, you know, the, the definition of the word itself, it's supposed to be rough in nature. There was nothing from that play last night that was rough. That was that was just a defender beating his man and beating the quarterback. And that's one of the more impressive things you can see on a football field, especially from someone who's 6'6 and plays on the interior of the defensive line. He's not coming from the edge all the time. Um, it's got to be so rough that it's too – it's over-violent. Um, yeah. And there was nothing about that play that was rough. And so, you know, someone who who literally uses words for a living, I find it to be (laughs) super duper compelling that, yes, you can interpret the rule how you want, but you're not actually doing it by the definition of the word. And I think we're getting away from that. And so to Chris's point, I understand his frustration. Um, I also thought it was, you know, it was telling BJ, and I I wrote about this because I went back and I rewatched and then I heard Andy's comments. It's one of those things where the player doesn't have to say anything because he kind of knows he's in the right, but the future Mm -hmm. Hall of Fame coach makes it clear to the entire world how wrong this is. And so Chris Jones didn't really have to say anything because his coach, (laughs) similar to like a manager, is out there with the umpire saying that's a, you know, that's a baller, that's a strike, basically getting in front of the player to defend him in such a way Mm -hmm. while also, you know, inciting the crowd to make sure that what just happened um, shouldn't have occurred, you know, from a referee standpoint. Um, so injury didn't say anything in the post game, but his actions I thought served well for Chris Jones so that he didn't have to get more involved with the referees. And it sort of ignited the, the fans and the team itself to sort of use their own energy, their own frustration and basically put it towards their actual opponent, which they had struggled to do up until that point. So Andy Reid was wise enough to know I need to lose my bleep. And yeah. uh, this is probably the only card I have left, even though they're not going to change the call. Um, but I think from the NFL, if I was on a conference call, if I had any sway, it would be like, how is this rough compared to yeah. any other football tackle or football sack that we all see on a day-to-day regular basis? Yeah, I I understand. I agree with you. I understand not pile driving or driving a quarterback into the ground to cause an unnecessary harm. Uh, but we also have to understand that 
you know, we watch things in slow motion uh, that these guys are running a million miles an hour. It's such a physically demanding sport and they put so much time into it. And bringing down a quarterback is so difficult in this yes. league. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what you can expect Chris Jones to do in that point besides just try to actively not make a play that he has been for a game that literally says like that is exactly what you're asking Chris Jones to do in that situation. But uh, yeah, I could, I would have paid a, a significant amount of money to have been a fly on the wall near the conversation between Andy Reed and Carl Sheffers at halftime. Uh, but yeah, I, in coach Reed's postgame presser and it's besides saying it is what it is when he said, you know, what do you say to the team? And he said, I didn't have to say anything, you know, we, I saw it the same way that they did. And mm-hmm. I kind of let everybody know like, Hey, we're all on the same page, but you know, <clears throat> let's move on to the, the second question for you, Nathan. You know, the surprising slow start in that game, getting down 17 to nothing and then coming back and winning with all of the different things that happen within the game. In your opinion, what should Chiefs Kingdom's top takeaway be from that overall, just from getting that victory last night? Yeah, that, that was one of the harder things for me to sort of try to write um, in my piece for The Athletic. But I just think, like, this game will always be remembered for the roughing the passer comeback. And I think from the larger context of the season, it is, okay, you can actually do this. You can actually come back from two scores. That had been my big concern, BJ. Um, and I don't know how much Chiefs fans have thought about that because, look, I understand that Patrick Mahomes is excellent. You know, Andy Reid should be given, you know, full benefit of the doubt with this offense. And, look, Eric Bieniemy has done this long enough to know that they can all make adjustments. And I thought that was really impressive as to what they did on offense down 17 nothing. They made adjustments, but they didn't get over-anxious or they didn't get greedy, right? They didn't try to go shot for shot. They actually ran the ball successfully to get the offense more into a physical rhythm. Um, my biggest concern going into the season was if they're down 14 nothing, if they're down 17 nothing to a quality opponent, can they grind it out and find a way to come back? Whereas the past, it's been, there's going to be that <laughs> one play with Tyreek Hill that's going to spark you know, that's yeah. going to create an advantage for the team, you know, whether it's in the Super Bowl with Wasp or obviously even the home opener last year against the Cleveland Browns. They were down nine points, and in one play, you know, they go 75 yards to Tyreek Hill for a touchdown. Well, that's that's not really going to happen much this season. So for them to, I thought, methodically figure out how to beat their opponent, to do it just repeatedly in a consistent manner, that was probably the most impressive thing. And, look, I know the defense struggled, but part of that is because, hey, the Raiders, to their credit, found the first weakness in the Chiefs' defense all season, which is, hey, you got to have a top-10 receiver and somehow scheme them up in one-on-one coverages. And the reason that happened um, is because with Darren Waller you know, having a hamstring injury, they went to six offensive linemen. So yeah. you have to have eight guys in the box. There's just no way around it. That means you have true one-on-one coverage on the outside, and now we can throw fades, 50-50 balls and, you know, back shoulder throws. Um, so Devontae Adams was excellent in that game. And I kind of feel sorry for him because he now understands Chiefs Raiders truly. Like, he really gets it now. Um, and he was supposed to be a difference maker in these type of games. So I everybody saw what he did after the game. Everybody knows that yeah. he apologized afterwards. He's clearly going to face – um, a fine and, a, and possibly a suspension. Um, but the Raiders have finally, you know, it took an opponent five games. And I want Chiefs fans to realize this. It took an oppo- it took the fifth game for somebody to figure out we can do that again and again and again, and we'll have real success. Um, so that's a credit to the coaching staff and obviously the players involved. 
So if, you, <laughs> so if you take that away, now it's about how does the offense adjust as the game moves along because you know the defense knows what its weakness is and can start to cover it up. So I'm yeah. not sure if you want to get down 17 nothing to the Bills, but, hey, anybody else in the AFC, at least you've proven, hey, they got a pretty decent coaching staff. That quarterback is capable. Derek Carr actually played well outside of yeah. his strip sack. That never happened. Um, <laughs> you know, there's no turnovers. There's no, you know, like super big plays. Um, but the Chiefs adjusted throughout the game and they came back from a 17-point deficit when I didn't know if that was going to happen at any point this season just because you're taking the easiest guy to come to, 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 to start a comeback, which is Tyreek Hill, the, the, the one guy who we saw against the Baltimore Ravens, right? I mean, the, 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 the Miami Dolphins were down 21 points in the fourth quarter, guys, and they won the game in regulation. Like, so Tyreek Hill is the big equator in, like, quick turnarounds and quick comebacks. And for them to do that basically in two and a half quarters, I thought is probably the most – that's probably the biggest takeaway moving forward because at least you know that's repli- that's replicable for them to do for the rest of the season. I'm, Nate, one of my also big takeaways in my third question I've got for you is the fact that it's going to be one of the most memorable games that we saw from Travis Kelsey, a record-setting game in which he finished with seven catches for 25 yards. <laughs> Like the, just the, the difference of that becoming, I think the first tight end, uh, you know, in 35 years to catch four tight, four touchdowns in a game, there's all kinds of superlatives and little records like that, but uh, not very many people uh, at any position have ever done what Travis Kelsey did last night and seemingly on the same exact play all inside the red zone. Mm-hmm. How do we have such a memorable game from Travis Kelsey in which he finishes with just 25 yards? Um, It's a, it's a true, I mean, he keeps, he keeps evolving. Right. Um, you know, when I started covering this team, BJ, I wasn't sure really where this was going to go uh, in terms of like, hey, um, and that's one of the more that's best part of the job, right? You, all this is unscripted. You have no idea how these guys are going to perform. Obviously, Travis Kelsey was established by the time I started covering the team, but I thought much of my job was going to be Patrick Mahomes related because it was going to be his first mm-hmm. time as as the true starter in 2018. The real secret is is that. In my time covering the team, the guy who's actually changed the most is Travis Kelsey, the guy who actually has evolved from a mental standpoint and has continued to grow in such a way that the defense really doesn't have a lot of answers, right? I Like, the Raiders double-teamed this man pretty much the entire game from the middle of the field, and then they couldn't account for him in the most important area of the field, which is the actual end zone or the red zone, as you, as you referenced. Um, he's so good at breaking tackles. He's so good at using leverages against an opponent. Um, Mahomes trusts him the most for obvious reasons. And in a game where nothing's really going right early, Travis Kelsey can somehow manage to, you know, tilt the game to him. And there's so few football players who are not playing the quarterback position who can do that, who can actually tilt the game in their direction. Um, it's impressive to see. And the reason he's able to do this, BJ, is because um, the Raiders defense, God bless them, is Max Crosby and 10 other guys. And it doesn't matter who you necessarily put on Travis Kelsey. That opens up things for Marquez Valdez-Scanlon, for Juju Smith-Schuster, for McCole Hardman, Jerick McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. All these guys had a reception of 10 yards or more because Travis Kelsey 
Travis Kelsey is tilting the game in his direction. It's leaning in an improper manner for the Raiders, and they don't have anybody on the back end like Derwin James who can do it on his own, you know, for at least a decent amount of snaps. So um, it's one of the more weird games where all of a sudden the biggest thing you're trying to do is actually to your disadvantage. And I asked Kelsey about that, and he said he loves the challenge of, hey, now you want to put three guys on me? That, that's totally fine. But he's still on time. He's still getting into his routes. Max Crosby all of a sudden has to jam him at the line of scrimmage, even though he's their best defender. Like, think about that. Like, he, like Max Crosby can't get to the quarterback as fast as he wants because he has to hit Travis Kelsey. And then Travis Kelsey still beats you. That is, that is quality. That is the cream rising to the top when you think about, like, truly iconic Hall of Fame NFL players. So um, Travis Kelsey continues to just revolutionize the position in a way that Tony Gonzalez couldn't, that Antonio Gates couldn't. I mean, Kellen Wisno was like an alien from the future, but that's about as close as I could think of right now. I mean, Dick Buckus was yeah. kind of in an era where he was just bigger, stronger than everybody. Yeah. And God bless him because he's obviously uh, a great player. But in the red zone, I don't know what you do because he broke three tackles and got into the end zone. <laughs> and then they forgot yeah. about him in play action. So it's, um, it's, it's just another reminder of how excellent Kelsey is. Yeah, I saw a stat that I can bring up now regarding that that touchdown where he broke all the tackles that he traveled 52.7 yards from snap to score on that eight-yard touchdown. It's the most distance traveled on a touchdown play under 10 yards uh, since 2018 in week seven with Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, so Travis Kelsey continuing to set more records. All right, Nate, uh, let's move on to the fourth burning question that we've got for you today. Again, we're hanging out with Nate Taylor from The Athletic. Nate, a week after the Chiefs' offensive line seemingly – dominates up front against the number one defense in the NFL uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers put 189 yards on the ground. Most rushing yards they've given up in four years. You're feeling really great about the chiefs offensive line. <laughs> and then uh, we'll go for tail of two halves. You give credit. They did much better in the second half. They gave Patrick Mahomes some time, but what we saw in the first half and what we saw with Max Crosby with Chandler Jones beating both tackles for the chiefs in Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley at what point, should I don't want to be prisoner of the moment because mm -hmm. we're so feeling so good about them after the Bucks game, but should we be worried about the Chiefs' offensive line, particularly at tackle, because of what we saw even in stretches last night when they got down early? Yeah, a little bit. I think some of it was scheme related, right? I think the Chiefs tried to spread out the Raiders, um, and that led to a lot of one on one, you know, opportunities for Max Crosby, who, hey, Finally beat Andrew Wiley. You know, I put on Twitter, BJ, it took three games of this matchup, and he finally found a way to, to impact the game. You know, Chandler Jones yep. used a speed rush on Orlando Brown. That has been sort of the recipe um, to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes' blind side. Yeah, there's a reason to be concerned. I mean, look, we don't know what's going to happen with Trey Smith, right? He could go on the short-term IR with his pectoral injury. Um, I thought Nick Allegretti got better as the game went along, which makes sense just because um, that's his first, like, true – you know, game action this season where he's playing, obviously, the majority, if not all of the snaps. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there's a guy named Von Miller, and he's coming, and he's better than Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and Shaq Barrett and just about any pass rusher the team has played this season. So, yeah, you should be concerned in the short term because the Buffalo Bills, I think, are going to present the best pass rushing challenge so far this season. You know, 
perhaps even better than, you know, that Thursday night home opener against the Chargers where you had Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, both healthy, both dominant. Um, but Patrick Mahomes obviously, you know, got the, the better of the Chargers as the game went along. So I think the coaching staff did the right thing to adjust, to get more condensed formations to have more guys in motion, to make Max Crosby have to think a little bit with the running game involved. So the Chiefs are going to have to continue to be balanced, BJ. I don't think they can be the one where they were in 2018, where they could just say, hey, we're just going to spread you out and then we'll run the football. I think they've got to be a little bit more balanced to start the game um, just to give these pass rushers something to think about or at least to make them somewhat hesitant where there's not a clear passing rush down situation. Um, but, yeah, I think Orlando Brown is – you know, he is not as he's he's not as good as he was towards the later part of last season right now. Um, and I think Andrew Wiley has been more reliable. Um, but, you know, he showed some weakness at times yesterday, too. The best part is in a playoff scenario or in a game that's of significant importance, you know, at least now Patrick Mahomes knows he can challenge his offensive line and that they can give him a better performance. That's what happened in the second yeah. quarter. Uh, he he sort of referenced that in the post game, um, and look, the Raiders won with blitzing. They won with you know single high coverages in the first part of the game, you know. And the only reason you can do that is because you're getting consistent pressure with four. Um, so with Bob Miller and the Bills coming, Ed Oliver is, a, is another really good player for the Bills to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, there's there's a reason to be slightly worried, even though the Chiefs scored 30 points last night. All right. That's all good stuff. And and I agree with what you're saying. Uh, it was great to see the offensive line. They did figure it out at some point. They gave Mahomes time in the second half. And we saw some big intermediate to down the field routes that were thrown to MVS, made some huge plays. And mm-hmm. McColl made a couple of really big plays. And shout out to McColl for playing through uh, the pain that he was yeah. obviously feeling. They caught it on the broadcast for a little bit. And you'd, you have referenced it a few times uh, so far this season is, you know, he's not 100% healthy. And neither is Orlando Brown Jr. to right. this point. Um, but Nate, to move on to the final question, and this one uh, I caught just before we started recording, and that is that Chiefs are three point underdogs yeah. at home next week <laughs> against the yeah. Buffalo Bills. Ooh. How should Chiefs fans feel about knowing that another team is coming and Chiefs are at home? You generally, the rule of thumb is you get three points at home. So that's a six points, according to Vegas, that the Buffalo Bills are technically better than the Kansas City Chiefs. How should Chiefs fans feel about this? Look, guys, you're not going to like my answer. Buffalo Bills are better than you guys right now. Like, that's just – that's, like, the numbers bear it out. And this is why Vegas has favored them in a three-point betting line. Um, now, the Chiefs could do something about it on Sunday. The fans who are at Arrowhead Stadium could do something about that on Sunday. But the Bills are better than the Chiefs right now. Um, and I know that's not what people want to hear. Uh but the entire offseason was for this moment, right, for the Buffalo Bills. Like, the only reason they got Von Miller was to be better than you guys. <laughs> now, that has not worked out in the AFC West so far um, because Devontae Adams has made a difference but not a big enough of a difference to obviously help the Raiders win the game. Um, hey, Khalil Mack's really good. And Joey Bosa's really good. But those guys have dealt with injuries. And the Chargers are now, yep. you know, scratching their way uh, to, you know, try to stay relevant in the divisional race. Look, the only quarterback playing close to Patrick Mahomes' ability right now is Josh Allen, and that's why the Bills are a three-point favorite. Now, Josh Allen is more turnover-prone uh, so far. He has given defenses a chance 
to make plays. And so I think even for the Chiefs secondary, particularly at the cornerback position, you are going to have some some snaps where you can potentially swing the game and make a difference. Um, but guys, like, they have Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs and Isaiah McKenzie. Like, that's that's a really nice group. Don't forget Dawson Knox, who's dealing with some injuries, but he's obviously capable from a tight end position. The Bills cannot run the ball, but that don't matter because Josh Allen can just <laughs> run over people. So yeah. it's a reason why they're favored, okay? Like, I think the Bills secondary <laughs> is slightly – uh, vulnerable because they have a lot of injuries there. Obviously, no Davis White yet, but Chiefs fans should feel like you shouldn't feel disrespected, but you should feel like this is the way the league is designed to work. Like somebody has to be the challenger to what they've tried to do from a superiority standpoint in the AFC. Uh, the Bills are better but the Chiefs can obviously change the perception of both teams on Sunday, and they have the opportunity to do that at home. But I don't think you should be mad at Vegas. I don't think you should be mad at really anybody. It's just through five games, the Bills have destroyed people. And the one loss in Miami, um, similar to the Chiefs, is their own issues against the Dolphins versus, you know, the Dolphins um, – you know, playing in a, an exceptional game, in my opinion. Yeah. So it's understandable as to why Vegas, who also wants you to bet on the game, <laughs> has has given you this this tasty thought process, right? This this mental challenge of who is actually better. Vegas yeah. is telling you the Bills are better, um, and now the Chiefs have a chance to prove whether that's true or not. Yeah, and as much as we made a couple weeks ago about the Chiefs going to Tampa and exercising those demons because of the Super Bowl and all that, like it wasn't wasn't that long ago that the Chiefs had that 13-second game, and that's what the Bills had thought about all mm-hmm. offseason coming back to this place where that game took place. Uh, and it's it's going to be the game of the NFL season. It was when the schedule came out. Everybody circled that game and it was getting protected. Yep. It was going to be the big-time <laughs> matchup that everybody's looking forward to. Uh, Nate, man, we always appreciate you joining us. Again, that's Nate Taylor from The Athletic. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at by Nate Taylor. Nate, what are you working on right now that people can look forward to before we let you go? All right. Uh, BJ, I, I appreciate it as always, man. It's great to chat with you. Uh, what if I told you that I'm working on something involving Nick Bolton? I would be interested. Okay. Well, you know, um, Nick Bolton is ahead in ways that are truly uh, like – remarkable i think and um it's things you can't see on the field and things that you can't see and hopefully i'm i'm trying to get fans and subscribers and our audience closer to understanding just how cerebral and smart and fast thinking nick bolton is um which has helped the defense a ton and then when he when the moment is there to be had he's he's met it pretty much every time of the season so um, Nick Bolton quietly the Chiefs best defensive player this season which I did not anticipate through five games uh, yes I know Chris Jones is like the most talented defender and probably the most uh, dominant one they have but Nick Bolton on a snap by snap basis has been their best defender and there's a reason for that and hopefully you can read yeah. it soon on theathletic.com well 
we've said it before, Chiefs fans are lucky uh, to have such good beat writers and people that understand these types of things and be able to write these stories and give these nuggets that us on the outside wouldn't have otherwise uh, the ability to learn these things about what these guys bring to the table. So, Nate, man, we always appreciate it, and we appreciate everybody for watching and or listening and spending part of your day with us. Uh, this is KCSN Update, and again, we appreciate your support of what we got going on, so please hit that like and subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube or follow us on your favorite podcast channel. We appreciate your support. We'll have plenty more shows and plenty more of great content here at KCSN getting you ready for the Chiefs and Bills on Sunday. We appreciate everybody, and we'll see you next time.